Last week, we started a series called Don't Worry. How many of you were blessed last week? How many of it helped you a little bit? How many of it kind of sent you to another level? I, I didn't realize when I was writing this series that, that there was such an epidemic or such a situation in us, not just the church, but in people of this thing called worry. I didn't realize how much anxiety and depression rides in people. Pastor, I'm not depressed, but you have anxiety. Or I don't have anxiety, but yet you worry. Pastor, I don't worry. I, I trust God for everything. Until I tell you that someone's in the front in the parking lot lighting cars on fire. <laughs> then you worry whether or not it's your car. Y'all know what I'm going at here. You, you see what I'm saying? It, it's amazing to me how we think sometimes. We, we allow thoughts to come in and rob us of what God wants to do in us and through us. Through worry. He, he doesn't listen. He doesn't have to come in and destroy your world. He just has to put a bump in your world. Come on, work with me for a second. He, he, he just needs a speed bump in your existence. That's all he has to do to create all kinds of confusion and worry and doubt and anxiety, which leads to depression. And, and so last week we started a series called Don't Worry. And, and, and I didn't realize how many people need this, but I, I believe last week we started on a journey. I believe last week by the response to the altar call at the end of service, I believe we nailed something that is going to literally change the course of how we walk as believers. But I need to say this as a sidebar. In order for us to do this, you're going to have to walk it. Because preaching without you walking it is just opinion. And I, don't, I hope you didn't wake up this morning, get dressed, fight with your children or your spouse. Amen. Right on the way to work, have to deal, or right on the way to church, have to deal with the people who didn't want to drive as fast as you wanted to drive this morning. Amen. Or you didn't get your coffee, so you're still frustrated because you don't have your caffeine in your system yet. Can I get an amen for somebody? Amen. Okay, all those things. Hopefully, you're ready to receive this because I need us to go forward in the things of God, not just sit in churches. Hmm. So before we get further, let me give you the definition of the word worry. And so many people, when they read this definition, they go, that's not me. Watch this. Mental distress or agitation. Mm. Anybody ever get agitated? Come on, y'all. Some of y'all smiling, but you won't lift your hand. No, no, raise your hand. Just own it. I get agitated, Pastor. Mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. I, I, I was reading that word anticipated, and I wanted to add a word into that, into that definition. Something impending or anticipated or assumed. Because I've learned some things over the last week that 90% of what we worry about is made up in our heads and is not even reality. It is things we fear that have not manifested yet. So we worry about things that do not exist. And let me help you with something. The more you worry about things that don't exist, they'll start to exist. I tell people this all the time. If you're looking for something hard enough, you'll find it. If you believe something big enough, you'll find it at some point in your existence because you will dig and dig and dig and dig until you find a smell or a sniff or an inch of something. <gasps> there it is. I found it. We live our lives based on the assumption that we know rather than the truth that is the truth that is the truth. Is the truth. Somebody says, well, well, I, I walked into church today and I saw pastor look at look at Pastor Tiffany straight face. They must be fighting. I, I don't know if I can go to this church. I mean, the pastor and his wife are arguing and, and they're not happy with each other. And how are they going to lead us? And, and uh, you know, we're going to we're going to have to look for another church because, I mean, how can we how can we be other pastors that argue? And, and, and maybe their marriage, their marriage is going to fail. They're filing for divorce. <laughs> when the only thing that was going on. I got a whole bunch of definitions I can throw at you right now. <laughs> she moved my toothbrush. <laughs> Work with me for a second. Or she took my toothpaste and moved to the other side of the countertop. Look at the men who are laughing right now. They're like, amen, preach, pastor. Or she took my screwdriver and put it in that magical drawer in the kitchen, the everything drawer. <laughs> Babe, you see my Phelps head? Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh is translated, look in the drawer in the kitchen because that's probably where I put it. Or it's all in the garage. Babe, what happened to all the stuff that was in the living room? I, I put it away. Walk in the garage. That's not away. That's in the garage. I told you, I put it away. Okay. So, so it, it's amazing to me how many things we'll worry about based on assumptions. We'll, we'll worry about things that really don't need to be, be dealt with. I was talking to Tiff just yesterday, and this is something that God's kind of laid on my heart in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I have a staff. I have a, a Moses staff. That's not a literal one. There's not one in my office. But I, God's given me a staff to lead my 
family. Mm, you're going to catch this one in a second. On that staff, etched on that staff is Brian's name, Tiffany's name, Judah, Hope, Love, and Asher. There is not room for anybody else's name on that staff. But, but, but Hester, we're your, we're your sheep and you're our shepherd. And can't you put us on your staff? No. Because that will create a worry in me that is not supposed to exist in me. As a shepherd of this house, I'm supposed to take you to the Father and hand you to the great shepherd. Not carry you till we get to the other side. See, so many times we, we don't hear this in the church because we, everybody thinks that the pastor is supposed to carry you. No, you're supposed, I'm supposed to get you to the Father so you can live your life. I don't need to go home and worry. I got enough worries for myself. I got a daughter named Love. Amen. That's enough. It's enough worries for itself. Why do you always pick on love? Because she's not in the room yet to hear it all yet. And when she gets there, then I'll pick on Asher. Then when Asher gets in here, I'll pick on the whole clan. Until that point, I'm working the details. Judah's sitting right there, so I'm not picking on him. Dad, come on. Dad, seriously. Dad, what did I do wrong? Dad, Dad, see, worry, worry. Now I've birthed worry on a Sunday morning. Okay, so here's the truth. We, we all deal with worry, but how many of you really understand that worry is not God's plan for your life? I'm, I'm going to go preach that to the wall real quick because I'm going to get more out of this wall than I got out of you. How many of you know that worry is not God's plan? So why do we accept it? Because if we accept worry, then we tell God that our plan is bigger than his. That your thoughts are greater than his thoughts. That your ways are greater than his ways. How can God be what he wants to be in your life if worry outweighs him? God, worry is not God's plans. Worry will rob you of the best parts of the life that God has just for you right now. I said this a couple weeks back. It's, it's amazing to me how we tend to postpone God to do his greatest till we die. Oh, I just can't wait till I go to heaven. I just can't wait till I, I've heard people tell me that. I just I can't wait to be with Jesus. So what are you doing here? <laughs> that would beg the question is, does God have any relationship with you here? And if he doesn't, why doesn't he? Because if you're waiting to get to heaven to see him face to face, I hate to break it to you. The Bible says heaven has come to earth. You could get it right now. Okay, sidebar. I'm not going back three weeks and preaching all over again. So today, before we even get started, I need you to know that everything is going to be all right. In fact, Bob Marley in church said it just like this. Come on, give me some audio. Y'all know this one. Don't play. Y'all don't want to sing in church now. Cause what? Every little thing? Mmm, that's another prophetic song right there. I need to get this in your spirit. So last night we talked about don't worry, be happy. This I need you to know that you need to worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. And you go, but Pastor, I don't know. That was, that was edited right there. Y'all know that, right? Because I wanted to say, shut up. Because the truth be told is that worry tells God that everything is not okay. Worry tells God that he's not okay. Ooh. Worry says, God, you're not God. I love the youth section. Y'all hear them? Oh, oh. Oh, they're taking notes. Amen. Worry was never meant for you to carry. Worry was meant for you to leave at the wayside of its own problem, not for it to become yours. But in order for everything to be all right, you and I can't just hear another word. We have to start applying it. So let me give you Psalm 37, verse 1 through 8 again, so you know why we're sitting where we're sitting. Are you ready? 
Remember what we're preaching on so you can understand what I'm preaching here. Do not fret in verse 1, Psalms 37, verse 1. Do not fret or worry because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as a green herb. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret or worry because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry about a thing. I'm just kidding. So last week we dealt with the verses 1 through 3 and we discovered that the first three steps to breaking the spirit of worry was number one, to trust. And I gave you the definition of that is typically to just put your hope in, but there was another definition that says a trust or an investment. Trust is not something you hope for, trust is something you invest into. Something is something you, trust is something you're willing to apply your life to, not one something you're willing to hope might happen one day. Okay, so there's an investment in there. Then it says to dwell, to take residence. Don't stop visiting the place without worry, dwell in the place without worry. Take residence in that neighborhood. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like when you move into a nice house, you tell everybody where you live. But when you don't live in a nice house, you don't tell anybody where you live. <laughs> Work with me for a second. When you, when you move on up like the Jeffersons, you tell the world. But when you're not happy with where you are, you don't tell anybody where you've been. Well, I don't tell by living in that neighborhood over there. Because they're going to think I'm poor and I'm poverty, you know. I'm more worried about what everybody thinks about me. They're going to think all kinds of stuff. And if I don't have the great things in there, you know, all that stuff, all that worry. But when you move on up, you're like, man, look at this house. Look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. I post it all over Facebook and let the world see. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like if I went, if I told you, listen, everybody go home today and take a picture of your house. How many of y'all would really go home and say, don't raise your hand? <laughs> don't. No, if I said like, go home and take a picture of your master bedroom. Go home and take a picture of your bathroom. Hmm, Jesus. Hmm. Don't worry about a thing. Okay. And so, so we, we, we have a typical tendency. Come on. Church. I love church dwellers. Y'all know who those people are? Pastor, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. God is, God is, God is so good to me. He, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong. I, I'm perfect. I'm, he's my father and I'm his kid and, and there's nothing wrong in my world. I don't, I don't have any struggles. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Pastor, I hope you make it. I'm, I'm already making it. I love church dwellers. But God never called you to dwell in the church. He called you to dwell in his presence. And in his presence is where God goes, hey, see that spot in you? Can I work on that one? Can I, can I deal with that space? Because I want you to be better than what you are right now said, trust, invest in him, dwell, take residence, feed, be satisfied. And, and this is one I didn't really get to tap into much, and I'm not going to sit much on it this morning, but I need to say this to you. Are you satisfied with God? Uh, in other words, if God never does anything for you, will he still be your God? Because let me, let's just be honest here. We have created a culture in the church that only has relationship with God based on the next thing he's willing to do for us. Rather than God is enough. Just his title is enough. Oh, y'all got to go study that one. Look that one up. Y'all going to have to go. I don't have enough time to preach that one to you this morning. Just his title is enough for you. That I am fully satisfied waking up this morning. I might not have everything I think I need or want. But in him, whoo, I'm good. I'm satisfied. You know, you, know, you know how freeing it is to wake up in the morning and I have to go beg God for something? Oh, we're going to bombard heaven. For what? What you going to bombard heaven for? I'm really going to mess with your theology for just a second. I'm going to mess with your theology really hard for a second. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Y'all all heard that scripture before? It doesn't say the consistent begging, borrowing, and whining and complaining availeth much. It says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. In other words, ask, then believe, and then trust. And whatever he wants, will, he'll bring to pass. And whatever he doesn't, he won't. And if you don't get what you're asking for, it might be because he doesn't want you to have it. See, we don't teach that in the church anymore because what we want to teach is if you beg God to move on your behalf, God will be bent by your 
wailing and complaining. See, that, that means right there we're not satisfied with God. So I don't go, to, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God's going seriously. People that have victory in me do not whine that loud. Yeah, come on, and I, Pastor, you're being tight. I'm not trying to be tight. I'm just being real with you. I'm, I'm trying to get to the church to another place where we're better than what we've been. Where we finally are resting in the fullness of who he is and we have joy in him and we're not worried about stuff. Could you imagine what the church sounds like if we all walked in with no worry? Man, worship would be off the charts. Man, I wouldn't even have to ask you to aim. And you'd be like, preach. You'd be excited to be in that. Man, you'd beat everybody here. I'm going to leave that one alone. Amen. All right, you ready to get the second part of this? Pastor, you ain't, you're not done? No, we just scratched the surface, baby. I got time still. Psalm 37, verse 4. Turn in your Bibles to verse 4. This is where we're going to start today. We're only going to give you two more today. So we dealt with trust. We dealt with dwell. We dealt with feed. Now we're going to verse 4. And verse 4 says this, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I, I, you know what's funny is, is that we have claimed the second half of this scripture. That God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But we never read the first part. That the prerequisite to you getting the desires of your heart comes from what you delight in. Okay, the word delight is defined as this. A high degree of pleasure, not just mediocre pleasure, a high degree of pleasure or enjoyment. Another word, joy. And I didn't put it up there, but Webster's Dictionary, you ready for this? Puts it at the very tail end of that definition. It says rapture. I'll let you go sit on that one for a little bit on your own time. It says also it says to have great pleasure and take pleasure in. He says delight yourself in the Lord. In order to break worry from your life, you can't just find a good feeling with God on a Sunday morning. You have to begin to live in the joy of the Lord. You have to have great pleasure and take pleasure in the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says in the New Living Translation, don't be dejected or sad for the joy of the Lord is your when weariness comes into your existence, I'm going to be a hundred percent on this. Weariness is birthed out of a lack of joy. You begin to become weary at what you do when you lose joy in what you're doing. It's not everybody else's fault. It's not the room's fault. It's not the people's fault. It's not the circumstances or the situations. It's your choice to lose joy in the process, which now creates weariness, which brings about worry, which brings about anxiety, which brings about fear, which brings about depression. And so we, we get locked up in this thing and we go, but, 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 Pastor, you know, how do I find joy? Well, I'm glad you're here because I'm going to help you with that today. It says in there, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Stop right there. Out of all of my times of reading the scripture, there is one word in there that jumps out to me louder than the word delight. And that is the word also. Which means this. God, in his infinite wisdom, understands that there are things in this world that will bring you joy. But he's saying, can you include me on what brings you joy? Okay, come on, come on, work with me. Because so many times in the church we want to preach, all God or nothing. I don't listen to gospel music 24-7. I don't. I like Harry Connick Jr. jazz. And I don't listen to some of that other stuff on the radio because I don't, it doesn't even sound like music anymore. I just like, what was what is that? A bunch of moaning and sounds and weirdness and take my horse to the old town road. Where's the old town road? Come on, seriously. Like, come on. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Some of y'all are like, what is that? I, exactly, that's what I said. And so my kid's like, yeah, listen to this channel. I'm like, what is that? Okay. But, but, but I don't, I find joy in other things. I was on a boat yesterday, and, and, and I, I got burnt because I'm just dumb and don't put sunscreen on, ever. I just don't believe in this stuff. I just like to burn. And so I, I went on a boat yesterday, and we went fishing. And I hate to fish. But we went fishing, and my kids caught fish, and I just kept throwing a lure into the thing and moving it back because there's nothing biting on dad's line. I guess I'm just not going to make it in that world. I, 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 I found joy in sitting on a boat in Lake Pontchartrain yesterday. <gasps> you weren't praying, Pastor? <laughs> you didn't bring the worship music into the boat and just lifted your hands on the water? Did you try to walk on the water, Pastor? <laughs> no, I found joy in just doing life. Here's the crazy part. 
I had joy in just doing life. But then when I looked outside the boat and saw everything that was in front of me, I realized how good God really was. My daughter said, baby, I said, said, daddy, it looks like the sky is a backdrop to the earth. She was looking at the horizon where the water met the sky. And, and, I'm, and this is what hits me because I delight myself in the Lord. I realize that the heavens are a backdrop to my existence. It gives me something to look forward to in my future. See, I'm trying to help you here because, see, see, we, we, we just want to say, well, Pastor, if you're not praying for four hours every day and if you're not in your word every day and if you're not doing this and doing that, which the church has created more than that than the word even says, then we think that we have failed God. I like to play golf. And let me help you with something. When I hit a shanked ball, I don't think prayers. <laughs> I'm not like, boom, I worship you. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for your presence today. No, I'm like. Uh, why? Then my son hits the ball and it's beautiful. And I'm like, why? How have I forsaken you, God? Okay, so, so there are things that God says, listen, you're going to have joys in this life. There are things you do that are fun that are not, according to the Bible, godly. In other words, they're not spent in prayer and supplication and fasting and hiding in your closet. Some of you like to go shopping. I don't like to go shopping with my wife, but I do like to go shopping. Can I be honest with you? I like to go grocery shopping. It's like therapeutic to me. Some of you are like, uh-uh. I just don't know what I enjoy. Don't judge me. Okay, so we all got weird hobbies and joys. Okay, I'm not bringing those out, but I'm just saying. We all have things that we enjoy. And God says, hey, here's who I am. I want you to have joy in this life. But I want to be a part of it. It says delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord or delight yourself also in the Lord. Listen, you were born into this world and said you had to add God to the equation. You had to choose to bring him into your life. You had to choose to make him a part of your existence. So he's saying, okay, no difference. There is joy in this world. Sinners have fun. Hello. Because we all had fun at one point. Come on, work with me for a second. None of y'all came out the womb prophesying and preaching. We all had sin. And we had fun when we had sin. We look back and now going, God, that was stupid. But we had fun in those moments. I can tell you stories. You'd be like, I'm never coming to this church again. Amen. Okay. <laughs> My wife and I were talking about those just yesterday. Praise God. He's like, oh, God, we were wrong. Pray for our kids, Jesus. Okay. But, but, but you got to understand that God wants to be a part of your existence. He wants to be a part when you start to worry. Not put in the depths of despair in your worry. Delight yourself also in the Lord. In other words, God is not mad when other things beside him bring you joy and pleasure. This life should bring you joy, but without God, the fullness of joy is not fulfilled. The sinner finds joy, but in Christ we have greater joy. Let me prove it to you. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11 says, In your presence, whose presence? In the presence of God is what? Fullness. fullness. In other words, there's nothing missing. There is the full embodiment. In other words, if all of your joy comes from the world, you're missing a big piece to it. But when God comes in on the scene, whoo, there it is. So when you start to worry, you understand that the joys of the world are all you're grabbing a hold of. But when God comes in, he now brings the fullness of joy. Therefore, worry has to leave. Okay. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I love what that says there because it kind of states that we need to be closer to him than we are to the things of the world. Okay. So let's go back to verse 4. It says, delight yourself also, Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many want the desires of your heart? Good, good. You want the desires of your heart. Now, here's a good question for you. Have you checked to see if the desires of your heart is in his heart? Oh, got tight in the room real quick. Got real tight. <laughs> Pastor, don't take my desires. Don't take them. I'm not taking them. I'm just trying to qualify them. Because a lot of things that we say are the desires of our heart are really the desires of our flesh. And with or without God, those are things we'll pursue. What I'm talking about are the desires that it's going to take God to get. Those are the things that God wants to do in your life. The things that require only him and not you. 
God says, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. Those are God-given birth desires in you that he placed in you that you can't get on your own. You couldn't get salvation without Christ. You can't get to heaven without Christ. How are you going to get the, the fullness of joy without God? You're not. So he says, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and then I'll give you, I'll bring it to you. I'll hand it to you on a silver platter, the desires of your heart. In other words, when you start living your life for God, you start chasing the things of the flesh and start running after the things of the spirit. He doesn't want to give desires of your flesh, the desires of your heart. Those desires are birthed in our hearts when we find pleasure in God and not everything else. Stop limiting the blessings of God to material things. Okay, can I, can I take a pastoral sidebar for just a moment? Just a moment. Can we stop, stop as a people, always only giving honor to God when something material shows up in our existence? You didn't tell me how good God was until you got the key to that house. You didn't tell me how good God was until you got the keys to that new car. You didn't tell me how good God was until you got that promotion on that job. You didn't tell. See, and this is what we've done in the church. We've made God's goodness based on fixing us rather than our delight in him. Can I help you with this? Finding delight in God is what brings about the blessings that you can't make happen. Every time in my life that things have happened that were amazing promotional moments in my life were not because I was creating moments, but because I was delighting myself in the Lord and he made a way where I didn't even see it coming. But let me help you with something. If you keep manufacturing your pathway, I promise you the concrete will crack at some point. Why call on him once the concrete is cracked? Why don't you just let him live with you and let him lead you in the right path so that you walk in the fullness of everything he has for you? The desires of your heart, please stop making the desires of your heart stuff. You can't take it with you. You know what the desires of my heart are? This is one of my biggest ones. That my kids, all four of them, will love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So that when I'm done here, they will continue to run the race that's before them. That is a desire of my heart. Why? That has nothing to do with Brian. It has everything to do with. See, that's the desire of your heart that he's talking about. Stuff that you find in him. How many of you know what God wants to do in your life? This is the crazy part. Most believers today don't even know what God wants to do in their lives. He has plans to prosper you, even as his soul prospers. You, you, you can't even fathom the amount of blessings that God has for you because we're too busy worrying about what we don't have. So we can't even see what he has for us. We're too caught up in what we don't have. Well, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this, and I don't have that. But what do you have? What do you have? And if you can't find anything in your existence to talk good about, just take one big, deep breath and find out how good God is. Because you're not dead. Some of y'all in this room should have been, more, maybe more than once, locked up, whatever. But you're here. You're breathing. That's a good thing. Delight yourself also in the Lord. When was the last time you had delight in God? When was the last time you found great pleasure in God? When was the last time you took pleasure in God and in the things of God? He says, and out of that, out of that delight, I want to give you the desires of your heart. You get anything out of this yet? Good, let's go to verse 5. And this is going to get a little weird. I'm going to prepare you ahead of time because when I wrote it, it's going to come off. And some of you are going to laugh. Some of you are not going to catch it. Some of you will. And I went to my wife and I said, am I going too far? She goes, nah, go ahead and do it. You're in trouble. Amen. If you get mad at me, call my wife. She'll talk to you. Amen. There it goes. It says in verse 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. The word Commit means to hand over. As for safekeeping or charge, to entrust. Hand over everything you are to the Lord and trust him with it. Okay. Now this is, I got to stop here because this is a hard one. Because do we trust people? Work with me. Y'all, y'all, oh, trust people. No, you don't. You don't. 
What was it? We were at, we were at this fishing road yesterday, and my daughter's in front of me in the line, and she, she was kind of quasi in the line. You know what I'm talking about? She's kind of like in the line, but not in the line. And she's standing there, and a dude just kind of walks in front of her. Caught it. And I politely looked at her and said, it's your fault. She said, why? I said, you weren't in the line. You were quasi in the line. You didn't take any position. You were just kind of hanging out. Mm, you're going to catch this in a second. Okay. You weren't committed. You were just hoping that the line would move and you could move with the line. This is the problem in the church. God says, commit your way. But what does commit mean? To plant yourself. To take root in the thing. Don't kind of hang out beside it so you can dip in and dip out when you want to. But to really take the position of this is who I am. He says, commit your way 100% to what? The desires of your heart. Your stuff. Your pleasures. Your needs. Your wants. Your worries. Because let me be honest with you. The only reason worry comes into the heart of a believer is because we're more committed to worrying about things than we are to believing that God is everything. That God has everything. That God's in control of everything. That there is nothing that happens under the sun without his permission. See, see, and this is like, okay, we can get into the news. We can get into culture. We can get into politics. We can get all stuff. Pastor, we're going to hell. We've been, we've been on a steady descend since Christ went to heaven. Yet somebody says, when's the end times? Baby, the moment Jesus left the earth, we entered the end times because it is all preparation to the final day. Stop asking me when the day is. You're already there. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. Get your life right. When you're lost, when your neighbor, let's do it. Let's stop waiting until the trumpet sounds and be like, oh, God, my neighbor. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's just go. But we're just waiting for the next, the next thing, the next moment. But we're not, we're, we're not, and I don't mean this to be mean, but commitment is, strove, is, is tough when you have worry. I'm learning that the reason we're not committed anymore is because we're more worried about things than we are trusting God. Don't commit yourself to me. I'm human. I make mistakes. You're human. You make mistakes. I said this to somebody one day, and I think I've said this to you a couple times, and I, I have this weird motto that I probably shouldn't say in public, but I do say it because it's, it's, it's what saves me in the long run. And, and don't, don't be offended by what I'm saying here because everybody wants to get offended when I say certain things, and church probably going, don't say it. <laughs> Everyone is stupid. Pastor, how dare you say everybody's stupid? No, no, let me help you. I'm going to tell you why God laid this in my heart. He said, because you walk in the room without having to qualify people, you allow them to be them. Watch, we walk in the room and expect everybody to be perfect. Well, Pastor Vin and Katie don't expect them to shine. Pastor, Pastor Brian's behind the pulpit. I mean, he's the pastor of the church. I mean, he must wake up with at least 50 angels every morning. <laughs> at least. Because I got four kids and a wife, it's like 300. Amen. <laughs> but every morning I wake up and the angels pick me up out of my bed and set me on my feet. And they, they walk me to the bathroom to step into the shower. They've already turned on the water for me. It is a perfect temperature <laughs> for me. And we just, I walk and talk with the Lord and he is there with me and I am with him. And no! I wake up with struggles just like you do. But I've got to stay committed. So I, I, I told you last week my back was hurting, and I, and, and I pulled my back out. And so I go to the chiropractor, and, and, and the chiropractor's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it hurts. I've been hurting all week long, this week too, pastor, but I'm still committed. You didn't see me run on going, God, where have you gone? God, why are you not fixing me? God, you said you're the healer. You, why won't you heal? Maybe he wants me to walk through this process. Maybe he has a plan for me through the midst of it. Maybe just maybe whatever you're walking through was on purpose so that he could create a greater commitment in you rather than you kind of hanging off to the side of the line wondering why people are cutting you. You ever wondered why people get there before you do? Check the commitment on the inside of you. Don't be mad because everybody took the brisket. That's where we were yesterday. I'm just in my world. That was a good plate of brisket, too. Amen. 
Went back for seconds, and they were gone. Amen. Uh, that was the Lord saying, you've had enough. Amen. Commit your ways 100% to the Lord. Trust also in him. Now, here's where it goes. You ready? Look at that next part of that scripture. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it. Father, help me for the next five minutes. You can only break the spirit of worry when you stop carrying your it and replace it with his. When I said that out loud, it sounded like a derogatory word. You'll catch it in a second. Is pastor cussing in church? No, I'm not cussing in church. But then it hit me like a freight train. That's what half of us carry. No wonder it doesn't smell good. Because we're carrying things that we were never meant to carry. He says, put that scripture back up there for me. Throw it back up there. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Can I say it this way I feel it? Don't get mad at me. Are your hands? Yeah, see, you said it. I didn't. What, what, what's in your hands? So when he brings what he wants to bring into your life, can he put it in your hands? Or is it filled with your its rather than his? Worry is not his. That's yours. That's yours. That's not his. And he goes, if they just lay it down, I could fill their hands. But they keep picking that up. Pastor, just say the word. No, because I'm not trying to say it. It's just the way it came out. And I'm looking at my wife and I said, baby, if I say this in church, they're going to think I'm trying to cuss. She said, but it's truth. See, we don't want to talk truth in the church anymore. We want to be religious and spiritually correct rather than really say the truth of what we deal with, what no one will talk about. Some of y'all are carrying some it. And you're coming into church and going, God's going to put it down. I'm trying to fill you up, but I can't because you keep carrying the conditions of life rather than conditions of the heavens. I don't understand why I can't get out of bed. Because you crawl in it and you choose to. Because you let it overtake the God that you serve and the God that came to deliver you out of the bed. Jesus never said crawl back into bed. He said pick up your bed and walk. Because, see, nobody wants to do this anymore. Everybody wants to be light and fluffy and good game and slap you on a butt and send you home. It's robbing the church. And I've learned this. I'm not in this to be your friend. I'm not in this to make you feel cozy and comfy. I got a Paul anointing. When I'm done with this race and I get to heaven, none of your thoughts matter. It only matters whether I was obedient what he placed on the inside of me to tell you. Can I ask you a question? How much longer can you carry your it's? How much longer? Because God will let you keep carrying them as long as you choose. God will let you carry them. He won't take them from you. He'll let you carry them. He'll let you walk right into his throne room and pick them up, put them in your pocket and walk right out the door with them. Why won't he stop me? Because he's a gentleman. He loves you too much. He doesn't, force yourself, he doesn't force himself upon you. He's waiting for you to choose him over your stuff. When? When will we change? Because 90% of your worry is because you're carrying stuff you're never meant to carry. I was, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Pastor, it's like I, God just keeps working it out. I said, well, what's the difference? She said, well, just stop caring about it. Years ago, I preached a message where I said, you can care so much that you start to carry things. Pastor, don't you care about me? I do. But when that care becomes something I'm carrying, I take it to the Father and I let it go. Because your life in the hands of the Father are far greater than the hands of your pastor. So I step away from it. I got enough things to deal with with my own family. But let me help you with something. This house is a reflection of what I do at home with my kids and my wife. How I lead my family is determined how I lead this house. They are my first ministry. When I'm all said and done and I stop pastoring one day down the road, 
It will always be my first ministry. They're my legacy. How I lead at home is how I lead in this house. Ask my son, he'll tell you, I, I don't pull punches. Because I don't want him to grow up wondering. I want him to grow up knowing. It says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I wrote this in here. Hand your it over so he can bring his it into your life. What is it? When I say the word it and I read that, and here's the funny thing. I read five different translations, and the same word is italicized in every Bible. Every Bible. What, what, why, God? Why, why is it every translation that word it is italicized? Because that word is it is everything you can't create. Oh, you're going to catch this in a second. How many of y'all got things in your life that you've been worrying about you can't seem to fix? Try and you 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 try, but it doesn't fix. God, winner, winner. God says, here's how we're going to do it. Commit your ways to me 100%. Commit your way. Commit your lifestyle to me. Trust me. Trust me. I got you. And I will bring everything you can't do, which is so much more than you think you can do, to you. I get excited when I read the word it because I realize there are things that I have not received yet. Y'all, y'all, y'all missing. I got joy right now. I'm like, whoa, I want to run. Because there are greater things ahead of me. And I think I've experienced some crazy stuff. But I got greater things. How can you worry when you know you got greater? Oh. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. Goes on in verse 6, and this is where we'll close. He says, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. And this is the way I translated this as I was reading what God laid on my heart. He's going to cause your cloudy days to become sunny ones and bring you victory before the noon hour. In other words, you won't have to wait for it. It will find you before the sun sets. I don't know about you, but and I've got one more piece after this, this next week. But I tried to sit all week in just the three. Trust, dwell, and feed. And I want to be very honest with you, it was difficult. But I have to tell you, my mind was more, more focused all week long. That when something would happen at the house, I could speak to it rather than freak out in it. I, I don't mind telling you this, and my wife, my wife doesn't hide it, but one of the areas that the enemy has tried to fight my wife over the years is anxiety. And I'm learning, I'm learning that a lot of women deal with this. I don't know why, I think it's an onslaught of the enemy, but, but she was struggling every day. And I was in the middle of working, and she called me, and it was just, it was just a bad day. And I said, come to the church. No, I'm just going to go home. She, I said, nope, come to the church. Oh, Pastor, you brought her inside and you prayed for her and laid hands on her? Nope got in the car and we went and had lunch and I just talked to her see I can stress out because I, as a husband I want to fix what's broken and in that moment because I had been trusting feeding and dwelling with him all week long when the situation came up I was of sound mind to speak to the moment and it wasn't like well if you did this this and this this wouldn't happen it was hey baby you and I both know this is not God's plan for you. We had lunch and we cut up and laughed. And I said, well, you know what? You're a Saints fan. Let's go get you some Saints gear. Because shopping is her. She likes that. She's like, no, watch, watch. Come on, work. We say, babe, we, we, we can't spend any money. Yes, we can. Oh, no. We're going to find you something, Jack. And we walked in. We couldn't find her the shirt she wanted. She found it. Asher found her this hat. It's got like a glittery Saints logo on the front of it. Her eyeballs got this big. She put it on. It didn't fit. I had to tighten it up, put it on her head. And what I was trying to do was help her to see that whatever it was, was not bigger than the God that we serve. She went home and everything's fine. Why am I bringing you that piece? Because I need you to understand that most of the time we tap out when worry comes in. But when we trust, dwell, and feed, 
on who God is, we won't tap out. We'll stay in and watch the worry go away. But once we've trusted, dwelled, and fed, we must delight. That means find joy. We must commit, hand it over. The next time worry comes in, will you just drop it? Nope, 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 not for me. Don't cuddle it. Don't pet it. Don't hand it to your significant other spouse. They don't want it either. Let it down. Let God have it. Trust, dwell, feed, delight, commit. Next week, I'm going to give you the last two. I promise if you'll start walking in this, you're going to see worry leave your life. That's what the word says. This is how we'll do it. Don't do it because I'm asking you. Do it because the word declares it over you. Trust to invest in, dwell, take residence, feed, be satisfied, delight, find joy, commit, hand it over. Whatever you've been carrying, hand it over. And then we can leave worry behind. Everybody stand to your feet. If my statement to you of the it offended you, I was not doing it to be derogatory. I was not doing it to be sacrilegious or un-Christian. But let's be honest. Not everyone in this room has the right language. But I thought, what an amazing moment of God showing me what is the dynamic of what we carry. That it is poop. Aren't you tired carrying that? Okay, I'll give you one more piece. Tiff and I were in the car and we were talking and I said, you know, I said, uh, when I was younger, the girls I dated, they cheated on me. I said, you know, when we first got married and we were doing hair, and of course hair takes, there's no schedule to doing hair. It just when you're done, you're done. And you would tell me you were coming home at a certain time, and then that time would come and go. And then I couldn't get you because you couldn't have your phone at the counter, so you had to put your phone away, and so I couldn't get a hold of you. And so then the thoughts would come in, and, oh, well, well maybe this is going to be like what it always was. Come on, somebody work with me in this room because y'all know what I'm talking about. And I told her, said in the car, I said, you know, in the very beginning of our marriage, the enemy tried to fight me in this area to make me believe that you were no different than my past. And create worry in me and distrust in me. Which if I don't trust you, then I don't trust the one who created you. Because the Bible says the man who finds a wife finds a good thing and you are my wife. And if I choose to lack trust with you, then I choose not to trust God as well because you are his daughter. I'm, I'm just trying to give it to you. He gave it to me. So I'm sitting in this morning. She looked at me. She goes, are you serious? I went, yeah. I had this issue. Why didn't you ever tell me? Because I didn't want to breathe life into something that I knew had no root in me. So I chose to go to God with it rather than come to you with it. She said, do you ever have a problem with it? And I said, no. And I said, to be honest with you, and I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, I don't care. She said, you don't care? No. Because I know who God is in my life. And it is out of my trust and my relationship with him that makes me cherish and honor and love you. Therefore, I'm never going to give you a reason to. Pastor, how can you say Because I've just figured it out. I'm going to feed on his goodness. I'm not going to worry. How many things do you carry like that? You, you get up on a Monday morning. You're worried about what's going to happen when you get into work. You're worried about what the boss is going to say. You're worried about what a coworker said about you. You're worried about this. You're worried about that. You're worried about what, how my finances are going to get met. Are you worried about how the bills are going to get paid? You're worried how you're going to make it? Stop it. You are limiting God from moving. You are putting handcuffs on God and saying, God, I am bigger than you are. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. 
Rest in the Lord. Find peace in the Lord. Delight in Him. I'm not worried. Not about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Grab the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. It's like, you know, you, you, some of y'all, you, if, you're, if you're a Saints fan, raise your hand. Okay, you're a Saints fan. If you're not a Saints fan, raise your hand. Is that Joshua or is that Peter? Which Oh, it's, it's all the whole row. Okay, got it. I, I thought it was funny because, you know, I've been listening. I've been listening. Yeah, y'all, 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 y'all know. You listen to radio. You listen to the commentators, and they're like, oh, my God. My wife's going, oh, my God. And I'm like, babe, it's it's just football. <laughs> it is not just football. It's God's team. Oh, Jesus. The same team that used to have the chief voodoo witch doctor pray a blessing over the field before they, yeah, go ahead. No, we'll just stay on the other side. Thank God we've been vindicated from that season of our lives. Amen. No wonder we put paper bags over our heads for seasons. Amen. Okay, but wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Don't get offended with me. I still root them on. Shush up. And so we're sitting there, and, and, and I haven't even thought about it all week long. Tiff's calling me. She's like, baby, what do, what do you think? What do you think? You think, you think we're going to be okay? And I'm like, I, first, number one, I don't care. But number two, yeah. Because it's not whose plays, it's who shows up to play. And, and so I was watching something on ESPN the other day, and it says that Cowboys better watch out because the Saints are not playing for a Super Bowl. They're playing for a game, just one. They're playing each game. They're not playing for the final. They're playing until Drew comes back. That's, that's the whole thought process, right? And I thought about that for a second. I was like, oh, that's prophetic. How many of us are playing for the end result rather than for today? You would play a lot harder and a lot better if you just played for today. Stop playing for the end result. I want to get to heaven. It's all going to be better. No, I'm playing for right now, Jack. Because I'm not promised tomorrow, but I am promised this moment. I'm standing in right now, baby, and I'm going to play my best. Get the hand of the neighbor. Squeeze it good. For the next 60 seconds, pray God's best over them right now. 